I'm Rosara Dawson, and you're listening to Never Tell Me The Odds. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Never Tell Me The Odds, ESPN's official Star Wars podcast. We got Clinton Yates, Ryan McGee, I'm Art O'Cal. We are three Star Wars nerds at each corner of the four letters, and we love to talk about Star Wars, and we're here to do it all for you. We're back! Gentlemen, we're here, we're back, it's been a journey, but Star Wars is back, and so are we. Yeah, somehow this podcast returned, right? We're the Palpatine of ESPN Star Wars podcast. <laughs> it's a total mystery. Somewhere in the swamps of Dagobah, we were just chilling, and then somebody came and decided to raise us up and out like the X-Wing. So I'm happy to be here. It's good to see you guys. And we got some new stuff to talk about, Arda. We certainly do, already full of surprises. Not only is our podcast being back a surprise to many, which is awesome, <laughs> but we got a lot of surprises even before the first episode of Ahsoka dropped, and that's surprise number one. It, it wasn't just one episode. It was two episodes, and it was supposed to be on a Wednesday, and surprise, it came a day early on a Tuesday in prime time. So there's a lot of surprises already coming into this journey that we're about to embark on with Ahsoka and... Here's another surprise. The fact that Ahsoka has her own show, a surprise yeah. to many. Here we are, though, and we are going to dive into episodes one and two on this podcast. Of course, they both dropped at the same time. Eight episodes in total. Current trajectory of the series looks like we might get one a week until October 3rd. I guess that remains to be seen. We could be surprised again. Who knows? But why don't we talk, Clinton, initial thoughts on the episode. A lot of twists and turns. What did you think of the first two episodes of Ahsoka? Okay, so bear with me here. And there's a couple different discussions to be had regarding A, the existence of this franchise, which we can get to a little bit later, and B, what actually happened in the episodes. I got to admit, these moved a little slower than I thought that they would in the sense of this. The way that we were introduced to Ahsoka within the animated series, the way that she popped into Boba Fett and Mandalorian in terms of that sort of whole thing that I'm considering one, this to me got to a stage where I was like, oh, okay, we're just in her life life and things aren't moving at the same pace that they do for some of these other more rapscallion individuals. As a woman, for lack of a better term, things seem a little bit more thoughtful. Things seem a little bit more considered. Things seem a little bit more deliberate. Even if they do, don't necessarily go the way that everybody expects them to, the tone in storytelling was obvious off the rip, starting with the differing intro slide, which was red letters, no incline, but a scroll going upwards. I was like, okay, you've established that we are in a completely different space in terms of how everything moves. And that to me, I thought was fascinating because we didn't actually get that many more new characters in the space. We got about five to six that were really gonna matter in terms of things people had, had not otherwise seen in live action. But otherwise I thought it was very deliberate, Brian, for sure. Yeah, and I think deliberate is the right term because that's what she is. And you think about when we first met her and she was what, 14 years old and, and you know Anakin's Padawan, she kind of crashed into everything. And, and quite yeah. frankly, like young Anakin was a little bit annoying about it. You know, everything was, let's just do this and I can't go fast enough. And now we see, you know, I was trying to do the math. You know, now we're seeing an Ahsoka who's in her forties, right? And she's very deliberate and it's, it's very much more of a Zen mentor, Obi-Wan, you know, let's take a beat. Let's figure this out. I, mean, I even think about just in the beginning, you know, when it's this initial search that she's on and we're not even sure what it is yet. That's how we're kind of introduced to her. 
And everything she does is very slow paced and very deliberate. Now, when she makes a move and she does her amazing entrance, you know, into this temple, right. it happens very quickly. And, and, you know, when she's ready to go, she's ready to go. But it is, it is very much, you know, I, I think about uh, young Obi-Wan stopping Anakin as they're crashing into, you know, the bar on Coruscant and him going, take a breath. You know, what are we doing mm-hmm. here? You know, what's the goal? And I, I feel like Ahsoka has that voice in her head all the time, which is certainly uh, not the character that we knew, you know, from Clone Wars and Rebels. And that, interesting you bring up Clone Wars because it was the opposite when we were first introduced to her, right? Like she was frenetic. She was and, and quite frankly, like a lot of people didn't know what to make of Ahsoka when they first got introduced to her. It was like, wait a minute, Anakin has a Padawan. Wait a minute. Yoda like bestowed uh, the, the Padawan ship upon her to Anakin. Like it's just this crazy sequence of events early on, very fast paced. And now we're seeing a completely different look. But Clinton, that's an interesting point, too, like the greater storytelling, right? Like the first two episodes certainly did feel in many ways like a recap, right? For those that didn't necessarily watch Rebels or the Clone Wars. So how do you feel about, in general, this timeline, like post Darth Vader perishing, Darth Sidious is gone, this aftermath era being where we're deep diving here, but also in the timeline of Ahsoka herself? I've been giving so much thought to this. And to be quite honest, it has occupied my mind more than the specificity of the episodes themselves, which is who is this specifically going to service outside of hardcore Ahsoka superfans? Because I did a little casual poll on Twitter and I asked people, have you watched Clone Wars or Rebels? And do you plan to? And it was a good 40 to 50%. They were like, no, don't care. I'm here for Rosario Dawson. I watch Mandalorian. I love the character. I'm willing to extend. And to me, that is so fascinating in terms of what Filoni is doing more largely with the puzzle pieces. I know this is sort of an in-the-weeds conversation. And for those of you who who tuned in to hear Chalk talk about plot points, I'm sorry. This is how your boy goes. But, like, we've not really seen this in terms of the play-ups. You know what I'm saying? Like, Ahsoka, somebody coming from the animated world into the live-action world and moving into the future – as a character is just not something that we've known. And so for me, it was kind of like, wow, this was a person I watched play in college. This is a person I saw win rookie of the year. And all of a sudden they're coaching the league. Like we, we jumped past all of yeah. the potential sort of rings and championship moments that would have established them as a pro, not to say that we don't know that, but all of a sudden it's, it's, it's a different thing. And I genuinely wonder for those who do not know the story of Ahsoka from, you know, back in the animated days, which was not that long ago, how they're going to receive this and what it's going to be like in terms of what they expect in their minds versus what they saw in the Mandalorian and versus what they know of it that they might have read about or recapped, but didn't necessarily choose to experience in terms of the episode to episode stuff. So for me, it was very interesting to see that. And that that age timeline you mentioned, 14 to 40 or whatever, some of us have been around for a while. And if there's somebody yeah. you know, if there's a woman in yeah. your life you've known when she was 14 and you've known when she was 40, this felt as on point as possible. I was like, wow. This is extremely well done. And so for all the young ladies and all the young people in general who took to Ahsoka as a character, I think that maturation process is going to be a little bit of a jolt if there's not that old yet. But for those of us who are, it makes complete sense. And so I think that that's one of the things that is really kind of brilliant about this is we've got a character that we know, but it's moving into a realm in which 
that depth of storytelling, we don't really know. And even though they're characters that are coming back in and coming out, we're still kind of curious as to where that's going to go. And that's not easy to do when you're running up against films in which you've got to sort of, you know, cut off what it is you're doing because, hello, other things have happened in canon. It's really it's really quite the juggling act, and I'm, I'm interested to see how it continues to go. Yeah, and, and Dave Filoni has talked about this recently. And, and, you know, he's telling everyone, you know, if you can only watch one thing, watch season four of Rebels. Or if you know, if you go to Disney Plus over the last several months, there have been the essential Ahsoka episodes yep. of Clone Wars to watch, and then of course we've had you know, uh, you know we've had these amazing backstories of all these Jedi, you know, through tales of the Jedi. Even go back to, to to the first time that she, we realized that you know that she's force sensitive. But to me, you know, the three of us are storytellers first and foremost, right? And so to me, the challenge has always been like this for Star Wars, but particularly now, which is you're serving so many different audiences at once. And to me, it's brilliant when you can watch a show and it's going to be interesting watching it with my family because, you know, I know way more about this than they do because I'm a nerd and I watch everything and read everything. But to me, it's the, the brilliance of it is. And, and I felt like this about, you know, all three of the trilogies, which is you can go as deep as you want mm -hmm. or you can just keep it to, you know, treetop canon. And all I want to know about where is Luke Skywalker and what's going on with him. Or if you want to know more, you can go read all the comics and read the books and watch everything. And so to me, it's a really, really interesting balance. Of I, I've dealt with this in my career. I think about when, you know, cover motorsports, which, you know, can be a very niche, you know, audience. Sure. Um, you know, I mean, hockey's like this. I mean, baseball's like this too, to a degree. Exactly. Right. And so, <laughs> yeah. so back in the day when I would write about NASCAR or the Indy 500 or Formula One or whatever for ESPN, the magazine, which was a more general sports audience, you know, you had to figure out a way to serve your hardcores, but also explain, you know, you know, how many, you know, we got, we got four tires of chain on the pit stop or this and that and so on. So you have to, you have to explain things while you're also trying to serve the audience that already knows these things. You know, what is a red line? You know, you have to explain that to ESPN, the magazine right. audience. You don't have to explain it if you're on television talking about hockey or if you're writing for ESPN.com. When I cover motorsports, for the ESPN.com motorsports page, that audience is there for motorsports and they know right. exactly what I'm talking about. And, and I think about that a lot with this, mm -hmm. which is if you're Dave Filoni, you're serving this audience that has been with you from the jump with Clone Wars, with, with, with Rebels, with the comics, with the books, with everything. But, you know, I mean, I'm rereading the Throne books right now and I know all about him. I cannot wait for when he finally does make his Aren't appearance awesome? in this show. Yeah, but you don't have to read those. You know, no. you don't to be have clear, to do that. I am not a comic reader. I am yep. a visual yep. watcher. I'm not a book reader. Yep. I'm not a comic reader. I'm aware of them. Mm -hmm. But I also want to, I just want to jump in and say, yep. I think this sure. is where, though, this is where there's going to be a little strife amongst sure. the fans. You know what I'm saying? I'm very. But there always has been. Yeah, yeah, there always but, have. When, I, when yeah. I was coming along in the 80s, it was, well, yeah. if you don't read the books, you're not a real fan. Yeah, you are. I mean, you know, so so right. the point is you can go as, as art. You can, Your you fandom can, can be different no matter what. Exactly. exactly. And, and to me, that's the beauty of it is you can you can be as deep dive as you want or you can just go, you know what, give me a box of popcorn and I'm going to watch, you know, I'm going to watch just the movies. You know, well, let me ask you the, this. Did it series. serve, Arda, did it serve your deep dive interests? The first two episodes were definitely almost a recap if you didn't watch Rebels and Clone Wars, but I was fine with it because there were enough Easter eggs to keep my interest. And to everything you both are saying, which I completely agree with, yes, there might be a rift, especially the hardcore Star Wars fans that have watched Rebels over and over again. They're like, yeah, we already know this. I already know this, blah, 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 whatever. Right. 
those Easter eggs were so good. Even the beginning of the show where you see Balin's skull come off of the um, structure, right? And he, they, they, uh, him and his apprentice Shin beat up everybody. And the line, the camera's right up close to his face. We are no Jedi. Call back to Ahsoka saying that to Darth Vader in, um, in Rebels and at the end of season two, right? Like, if you watched, you know, and you're getting that feeling, those that goosebump moment, because you're you've consumed that, and you're like, "This is awesome." That's exactly how I felt watching that moment. But that's a cool line as a standalone, anyway. Even if you didn't know that, so for me, I felt like there was enough there that it continued. We saw a lot of great moments in those two episodes, and maybe we should uh, talk about the contents of the episode first of all. How about this? Sabine gets stabbed. <laughs> okay, can I just mention that whenever we see Sabine, whenever we see somebody in a lightsaber duel, if the lightsaber traverses your torso, you're usually dead. you're dead. You're dead. Usually you're gone. You're dead. I didn't love that. Not going to lie. It's over. I mean, it, was, it was okay because I only had to wait five minutes sitting inside of the Lucasfilm headquarters to see the next episode. <laughs> but if I had to hate an entire other week, and I'll tell you guys more about that visit later in the program, if I had to wait another week for that, I would have been mystified. Like, all of a sudden, my man my man comes out and says, oh, I see your repairs have been completed. By the way, the funniest line of the entire situation, the entire premiere, and I'm just like, okay, I guess we're doing that now. But it was quite, it was quite the jolt. It was quite the surprise. I liked it. Well, and, and also too, I mean, you're talking about we're talking about serving the the larger audience and the hardcore rebel set. I think honestly, seeing everyone in live action and seeing these ships in live action, I mean, you know, just the shock of seeing Ahsoka for the first time, you know, in a different series, seeing yeah. her in, in in real life is just to me seeing Sabine, seeing everyone hearing, and in, in, and in some cases, like we're going to have with Braun, hearing the voice. Yeah. But there's the same person playing the role. I just, to me, I think the thrill of that uh, should certainly be enough for, you know, anybody that felt like they weren't, you know, completely overserved uh, and had to feel like I had to see a recap. I think the thrill of seeing this uh, is, a, but yeah, we're kind of living in this era now, right? I mean, it's, it's interesting too, because, you know, I go back to the sequels and, you know, there's a healing thing that happens now that we've never had before. And so yeah. I don't know, you know, and, and, and honestly, too, and again, we're covering decades now over the right. course of, of canon. And so, you know, who knows what mm -hmm. the advancements are, you know, and who knows what it is. But, you know, um, I mean, you know, I got friends in the military shot through and through and uh, it wasn't easy, but they recovered. And uh, but they've got they'll show you where it was. And so now maybe it's like know, uh, maybe it's like, I don't know, you know, like medical staffs on sports teams. It used to be you had a head coach, an assistant coach, a strength guy. Yeah. And that was it. You know what I'm saying? Load management, get out of here. Now you got 35 trainers for 45 dudes on a football team. You know what I'm saying? And guys can make it back pretty quickly in terms of yeah. playing yeah. ball. Perhaps we were close to this. Dr. James Andrews might have flown up from Pensacola <laughs> and taking care of Sabine. Got her, got her. Yeah. I've, 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 seen, I've seen him work miracles with athletes. That I, I thought the careers say. were done. Maybe she, maybe, maybe Dr. Andrews, maybe she wouldn't have Tommy John's. Yeah, no, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. <laughs> Sabine say, refuses load management. She was raring yeah. to go even before yeah. she was fully healed. Ready to yeah. rock. But that was my favorite part of the episode was her and what happened in that hospital bed with Wang. Again, he's a funny droid. I like my droids with a little comedy to him, and he's yep. a funny one. Yep. Not exactly because he's telling jokes, but because he's being dead serious. You know what yep. I'm saying? Like, no, that 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 to me was the best part of those particular premieres. But I have to say this as well. It's interesting because this is one of those shows, again, where I feel that it's Ahsoka in sort of name only. 
You know what I mean? We're getting a story of kind of a generation of players in the galaxy, not dissimilar to how Boba Fett was and not dissimilar to how Mandalorian was, quite honestly. It's like, yeah, okay, this is called Ahsoka, but there's plenty other time spent on plenty other characters, and she's more of the fulcrum than anything. So one of the themes, and, and the first episode was named this, was Master and Apprentice. And we're yeah. seeing that through the relationships that are either being discussed or that we're seeing. Obviously, with the Dark Jedi, the idea of, or the Dark Jedi, what that might develop into with Balin Skull and Shin Hati, the Master-Apprentice relationship there, of course, Anakin and Ahsoka. And the surprising one that was sort of revealed in the trailers and now we're diving into here is Ahsoka and her apprentice, her Padawan, Sabine Wren, which we don't know right now as we talk about this, whether she is indeed force sensitive. It was sort of intimated or at least the idea of it being a possibility was mildly discussed in the Rebel in, in Rebels by Kanan Jarrus, but like. We still don't know. And just the fact that we're talking about a Mandalorian being force sensitive or even yeah. having an attachment to the Jedi is interesting to me because that is extremely rare. Yes, we have Din Grogu, but that's a different circumstance. That's right. like, you know, by association and being with, with uh, Din Djarin and the travels, etc. So I just like the idea that we're exploring these ideas and topics that we don't normally get to see. What did you guys think of, you know, the Master of Apprentice style storytelling here or theme and also uh, what we saw in those both in the first two episodes? Yeah, I, I love the fact that even as things change and even as we're, you know, let's let old things die, it's still at its core. We're no Jedi. Well, you kind of are. I mean, you're, you're still living out of the playbook. And by the way, how great is Ray Stevenson? I mean, yeah. it's just, you know, and, and obviously we, we, we've we lost great, him, yeah. but, but thankfully is, is in this series. And I think about, I mean, Volstag that he played, you know, in, in the Thor movies, just tremendous. But I love the fact that, yeah, everybody's acting like they want to move on. And I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. And you could apply this to Ahsoka as well. Well, now you're taking on an apprentice. And these two right. were not Jedi, but okay, we're going to take on. You know, it's just I love the fact that it's still, it's the core thread, right? And it's you know we're going back to these things that attach all of this, no matter what corner of this universe, you know, literal and 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 you know, figurative we're talking about. I love the fact that the the, the core still is there, the force is still there, the master and apprentice is still there, and I love that title of the series because you know we're not just talking about one pair. By the end of the episode, we know we're talking about two. And that, that's the kind of the thing that, for me, if you dig, dig into that sort of Z-axis of what you're talking about, the nature of those relationships has changed as we've seen them along through things. When we first heard of Masters and Apprentice, it was very much like, oh, no, you do what I say or else I might end you. You know what I mean? Or you might end yourself. Through Ahsoka and Anakin, we sort of <laughs> learn that there are more friendly relationships in which this can develop. And you don't necessarily know. Each time, if each person is doing right or wrong, they had to test that with one another in order for them to learn who they were as Jedi or were non-Jedi, you know, after dismissal and stuff. But the nature of what each of those relationships is within themselves is what intrigues me as much as whether or not it can be more topically described as master and apprentice. And you can see that between Shinati and her master because she's asking legitimate questions. It's not one of those situations where she thinks she knows everything and has to be corrected or, you know, is completely obsequious to, you know, what, what she's being told. Like there are different dynamics within those relationships that to me 
are, are incredibly fascinating. So in the end, by the time she calls her Padawan, I'm like, okay, well, of course. We're all hooking up here and linking and getting our little teams together. Let's see how we're going to go once conference play gets started. Ask if this preseason schedule, you know what I'm saying? You guys have figured it out amongst yourselves. So I like <laughs> that, and I think that's going to be what it has to be because that's the attachment that most people have grown to what this, you know, what, what this even is at this point for well, so many people. And there's that tension, right? I mean, you know, I think about, like, my relationship with my daughter. We're really, really good friends. But there's also, every now and then, I have to be dad. Yeah. You know? Or, you know what? I, I, I know we're chill and we have a great relationship, maybe different than other father daughter. But it's in, there are times where I got to look at you and go, you know what? The, you, you have to do this now, and I'm going to pull the dad card. Mm-hmm. And I think about young Obi-Wan. You know, mm-hmm. looking at Qui-Gon, like, are we picking up another, you know, lower <laughs> life form and putting him on the ship today? I mean, are we really going to do this? I'm like, spent, spent the entire Phantom Menace questioning everything that Qui-Gon said. Yep. And, you know, and obviously Anakin, you know, pitched fits and whined all the time by Obi-Wan, but we see it on every level. I mean, Luke, you know, didn't want to hear it. And it's just, it's to me that, that tension of the, the closeness. And we've seen it with Sabine Wren. Here she is going, I don't know if she likes me or not. <laughs> well, honestly, Sabina, it doesn't matter if she likes you or not. She likes right. you because she's taking you on and, and, and maybe do it again. But there's still that friendship, family connection. But then there's also a business relationship. It is. And, and so to me, that it's, that's yeah. always been one of the most fascinating parts of, the, of this whole universe. And we don't know Lucas what the rift was now. between Sabina and Ahsoka. So Clinton had the opportunity to join an Ahsoka event in advance of the first two episodes being released. It was, and because we still are all friends, and because I want to brag, and I can see Ryan we were. shaking his head. No, because we because we were friends until until <laughs> so, I just learned this. Yeah, this is it's over now. Thankfully, those at the Rebel base <laughs> asked me. I had a choice: which one of these did I want to go to in California? It was either Galaxy's Edge, Hollywood, or the Lucasfilm headquarters in San Francisco. I was like. I'll be going to the place that all of the stuff is at. Thank you very much. That's a quick plane ride up the road. And hello, they have a Yoda fountain, which I was 100% going to go see. (laughs) And it was fantastic. So I pull up. Mind you, in the park, so it's at like the Presidio Extended. I'm not going to get into a whole conversation about San Francisco local territories, but basically it's effectively a college campus within a college campus of buildings. So you get out of the parking lot. I go up there and I see a art of Star Wars poster in Japanese in like the lobby. And I'm like, oh, we've got a deep cut already. This is fantastic. And so you, we sort of snaked around into what was the vestibule, if you will, where the fountain was. And yo, some of these fan events, they get the kind of turnouts with people that are dedicated on a level that – You know, friendship is one way to describe it. Fanhood is another way to describe it. But the kinship these people have and what they do, the Golden Gate Garrison 501st, okay, these people showed up in force. And it was impressive. My man NorCal Chopper was there. He had a jersey that said that because, hello, he had built an entire chopper that was operational as far as lack of a better term i can say it at arms it spoke those it aren't around it could do a 360 i didn't show you guys the video yet because i didn't want to brag too hard but i will and i was just like i'm out here <laughs> i was literally wearing this you can see this this is a white crew neck that has sort of a stylized scarif simple illustration i was just being normal 
These folks were decked out. I, would, I wasn't asked to be in any pictures because I wasn't anywhere close to the standard of what we were doing from a costume <laughs> standpoint. So that alone was a sight to behold. On top of yeah. that, they had a life-size KTUSO there. I guess what we would call a life-size R2, a couple of other Imperial Troopers, and they had like floor, top floor-to-ceiling movie posters. Ryan, it was every bit as awesome as it was advertised to be, and I'm so glad I went. So I, I actually I went to I went to, took my family to San Francisco I don't know seven eight years ago, and you'll be not shocked to know that I dragged them over there. And we <laughs> took pictures in front of the Yoda fountain, and we got into the lobby. And dude, I pulled out every piece of Walt Disney Company identification that I had. I tried to explain, hey man, I wear the Star Wars shirts on Marty and McGee. Y'all should let me in here. And they're like, that's really nice. No. <laughs> The answer is no. <laughs> you, you seem like a great guy, but, but you can but literally yeah. go there now and be like, "I literally host yeah. the ESPN official right, Star Wars like, podcast," and they'll and, still and, say, "No, no, no." And they they still have a picture of me by the front door, like, "No, no, he's on the he's on the can't come in here building." And I'll say, "I know Clinton Yates. I know Clinton Yates. You wore the Scarif shirt, remember?" <laughs> oh, please come right in. Yeah. Oh, right, oh, right. So but, by all means, you know. But would you like his office? Like his office? <laughs> by all means. They've got a really nice theater in there. It was an exciting time. Everybody was real pumped. They gave away a bunch of lightsabers. A lot of people were in costume. These people all seemed to know each other, so I felt like it was sort of a fellowship. I was invited to a little bit of a family reunion, but it was a cool moment, man. You know, they showed both. It's, it's always interesting seeing something for the first time on a big screen, you know what I mean, because it, it just sort of it imprints differently in your mind. So that was, that was an exciting experience. But, yeah, Golden Gate Garrison, they showed up and showed – they travel well as we like to say in the, in the, in the football world. I love to hear it. Uh, awesome that you got to experience that. I still hate you because I wasn't there, but I hope we get to <laughs> all do an event together sometime. Uh, that would be awesome. Ryan, let's talk ships. Let's talk planes. Let's talk machines. Ryan McGee's Galactic Garage, baby. What struck your fancy in the first two episodes, Ryan? Okay, first of all, we go to Corellia. Yeah, this is it. I mean, for for a starship nerd like me, for a, a guy who's covered race cars his whole life, and, and race cars are just starships on the ground, and starships are just race cars in the sky. Um, to see Corellia, and the only other time we had seen this place in live action was in Solo, which is one of my favorite movies. Always will be one of my favorite movies. But we caught Corellia there at its lowest point. I mean, you know, it, it, it's a, it's been overtaken as an imperial outpost. People are basically, you know, put into slave labor, and they're now they're making imperial starships, and they don't want to do that. And so we caught them at their worst moment. Now we go to Corellia, and the sun's out, and people are working, and they're building Republic ships, and it's just it was the cra- is the craziest thing for me, freeze framing, just wanting to see what the place looked like. I mean, this is where Han Solo grew up. And yeah. we're trying. This is where they're building. You know, I'm, I'm I'm trying to see where are they building this. Are there any YTs? Can I see any freighters down there? But when it comes to ships, the greatest moment was when we get to see an E-wing in action. And just so folks know, when you watch it, Sabine Wren's like, you know what? I ain't going to this thing that I'm supposed to go to. Uh, you know, this formal ceremony. And they're like, please go find her. And these two pilots, essentially, you know, police officers go out in E-wings and an E-wing for folks that don't know, this is uh, this was begat by the X-wing. This is the first true ship that's built by the New Republic, um, you know, in committees sitting in a room, you know, the New Republic shipyard. And the E-wing was designed to replace the X-wing. It's faster. 
It's more nimble. It's smaller. It has better armor. It has better guns. Mm. It has a brand new astromech droid specifically designed for it, R7. And I've told you guys I'm Gen 1, right? Saw right. the originals in the 70s because I'm older than y'all think I am. <laughs> and the original R2-D2 toy that I have in my house uh, that I got for Christmas, probably 1978, that R7 unit that's in that E-Wing those kind of weird teardrop looking, you know, misshapen, um, you know, eyes and, and buttons. That is from, that is a total Easter egg from the original R2-D2 Kenner action figure because they did not have the capability wow. to make the detailed R2-D2 head. So all yeah. those weird kind of teardrop shaped, you know, th that you see on the head, that's, that's based on the toy. But to see the E-Wing, We've seen it in animated series. We've seen it in comic books. Um, you know, it showed up. The only time I saw it, I remember I saw one of the Lego Star Wars specials. But this is the first time that we see it. And now I'm hoping that they'll graduate it and let us see it in an actual star fight instead of just, uh, you know, running down rogue people that don't want to go to dinner parties. <laughs> yeah, Did unfortunately, you... though, Ryan, uh, the E-Wings were no match for Sabine's driving skills. No, I know what those things are packing. Right, and she's lucky that they that they liked her because uh, uh, they they yeah. could, that could have been a very short <laughs> trip for her. To quote Han Solo, it'd be a really short trip if they had decided to to go on and stop her in the ways that they could have. All right, I like that. I love, by the way, this is my favorite part of the show is when Ryan when we go to the garage, as I like to. I say. get a little worked up. I, I get <laughs> I get a little worked up, and and it's but it's just it's in so many of these ships we've heard about. Again, I, I remember seeing this in a comic. This would have been probably the late '90s, mm -hmm. and and I'm like, what is this? And it has a it has a little bit of it's about the '70s. It has a little bit of old school Battlestar Galactica, you know, fighter in it with, with those right. kind of with the, with the kind of the bent wings. But it's um, uh, but, so in NASCAR we have now what we call the next gen car, and this thing was designed by committee, and mm -hmm. it was the first time the new NASCAR got everyone together to design a new ship and there's there's been issues with this race car unforeseen issues because it was designed by committee anytime you design anything by committee there's going to be unforeseen issues and it happened sort of like this show no, it, okay. with, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with the, yeah but the e-wing was designed kind of next gen by the new republic <laughs> and the thing was a flop and everybody's like we don't want to yeah. fly this thing we want to fly next wing but now uh, my sources tell me that, that there's a, a bright future for the E-Wing. So oh. we'll see. All right. Well, thanks. Is it my turn? Absolutely. Clinton, let's talk fashion, bud. The styles of Star Wars. Okay. So now there's a longstanding theory I've had about these new programs and all the new iterations of live action, which is that effectively Star Wars is a Coke show. Like that's at, at its core, <laughs> this is what it is. It is an outerwear program, <laughs> most Jackets. primarily, in which you can judge people by what they're wearing. So there were a couple of different looks here, and I'm not necessarily ranking them, but I would like to break them down. Okay, so we saw Governor Azadi, right, at the aforementioned ceremony where they were supposed to be honoring Sabine, and, and she just wasn't there. Now, what I noticed about him was that for a dignitary, rather kind of in between, you know, in Andor and Coruscant, we saw, you know, the senators and their people, they looked rich, rich. You know what I'm saying? Like, this was not a matter of, oh, I wonder what you do for a living. It was like, if you get within 20 yards of me, some sniper is going to take you out. You could tell. <laughs> you can't hide money. You could smell that. But, for example, also, when we were on, like, I don't know, Ferrex, you could tell 
people didn't have clothes like that. You know what I'm saying? Even though they were important. This was a little bit in between. And so it showed you a little bit of something about sort of the personalities of the people that we were dealing with. It's like, no, no, no. These are our jobs. But, you know, we don't, we don't have all this cash to be spending on ridiculous things in general, which was interesting because it made me take notice of a couple different things, which were the actual uniforms of the people working in. When they finally got to Karelia, and my man says, regional supervisor. And yeah. my man was dressed like the most regional supervisor in the history yeah. of regional supervisors <laughs> with yeah. the brown, lame, you know, lapels. You know, it, yeah. it looked so boring, but it was not workmanlike. I was like, you just have terrible taste in clothes. You did not go to Men's Warehouse. You did not go to where you were suggested to go to by <laughs> your local handsome man. You just decided this was going to look cool and this is what you were going to wear. It was <laughs> incredibly tacky. And as were all of the people that ended up trying to turn on Ahsoka inside of the actual cockpit when they were taken off. So I was like, you guys look terrible. I can tell you about guys because you don't know how to dress. That was the number one thing. But here's the thing about this that I thought was really interesting total and overall from a character and i'm going to say introduction because this is live action but sabine was ren was introduced in a way that was an instant indicator style icon get it right don't mess it up what she looks like is a large part of her appeal and not because we have come to accept star wars chic as a thing not because it was something outlandish if you saw a woman walking down the street today wearing what she had on you'd be like yo She's getting a fit off. It is modern in a way that looks like something that can relate to and not just in some goofy, I want to dress like this for Halloween kind of way and not in some, oh man, if I just had any sort of galactic, you know, closet, this is how I would dress. No, 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 no. She looks sharp in any galaxy, any year, any calendar, any place. And that opening shot when she's on the speeder, it goes up from the boots to the pants to the bomber jacket to my favorite part, which obviously she does well as she is a Mandalorian, the bucket. Ryan, there are NFL teams that wish they had helmets that fly who definitely do not. Oh. I could not believe oh. what I was looking at. And she hadn't even put on her, her, her actual armor. This was just her, this is her walking around garb. You know what I mean? And I was like, are you yeah. kidding me? This, this yeah. is the first person I've met that I can recall that literally stepped onto the screen and was like, no, no. I'm the flyest person here. That's a big part of my operation. Deal with it. And so by the time she finally gets to getting her armor out and her night owl helmet, you're just kind of like, okay, well, sure. Obviously, that looks great. You know what I mean? But, like, can we see the rest of your closet? Because you've got various trooper helmets just stacked up in your apartment. You know what I mean? Because the interior of your apartment is cool as hell, too, because you live in a communications tower. It was like a whole lifestyle vibe from her, not just particularly the vestments. I loved it, Arda. It was great. Yeah, the music, too, right? It was like new yeah. punk rock. It yeah. was amazing. Yeah. It was yes. amazing. Like, the, like, even, like, when we see her on the bike, you know, like, it's just the whole package. You're right. It was so cool. Right. Yeah. But I was going to say the most shocking scene in the first two episodes, it wasn't her being stabbed. It was her cutting yeah. off the hair. Yeah. Literally, I yelled across the room, no. Stabbing the hair. Yeah. It was, it was a, no, a, what? So, so yeah. So the, the, what, the movie we talked about earlier was actually the second most shocking scene involving her and a blade. Because I was right. like, oh, it's like, all right, I guess we're, I guess we're serious now. It was good though, yeah. So style icons, being ran, you got a haircut, twisted. You will be seeing many a people come. Let's just say the second week of October, rolling around your galaxy, looking exactly like her, and it will be a good look. Okay, that is what I'm here to tell you. 
And she's a graffiti artist. Oh, you which, listen, and not just for she Halloween. Was built for Clinton Yates. I didn't want to go off jump, on that. I was waiting for jump. you to bring it up. <laughs> I was waiting for you to bring it up. But this is a point near and dear to my heart. I was like, man, this character was made for me. Not that I didn't know that, but seeing it in live action, different story, different story, boys. Just yeah, you already you haven't experienced it yet, but me driving Clinton around like Omaha, Nebraska, <laughs> and every two blocks, stop. And him jumping out and taking pictures of wall art, I was like, "Oh wait, this is his thing." So as this soon as I soon did, as, yeah. as soon as I realized, as soon as I as soon as I knew she was going to be in this show, I was like, "I know what he's going to love." And we got a little wall art in the episode too. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? For, yep. In terms of the mural in the back, so if there we get go. more intergalactic graffiti, right in the ship with all of her like loath cats and everything, yeah, yep, exactly. That's it. That was that was that's cool right. That's right. With the love like I say, on the ship with the loath cats. And everything. Love, cool. love, 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 love the live action send up of animated to me for sure. So normally I do a t- uh, three stars like they do in hockey. Uh, this yeah. time I'm going to do a little, things a little bit different. Clinton, awesome suggestion. Uh, these are the three to watch. And that's also something that we do a lot with hockey content. So I'm going to take the first two episodes and I'm going to pick three characters or three things uh, that I'm really looking forward to getting more of a deep dive of or really just looking forward to see what unfolds with them as we move along in this season of Ahsoka. Uh, spoiler alert, Sabine is on this list, but not number three. Number three is uh, Shin and Balin. I love the idea that we're seeing these four sensitive people that are not Inquisitors, that are not part of the Empire, that are not Jedi. They are dark Jedi, or they exist outside of this, and they are mercenaries, ex- essentially, and, they're being, and they even talk about this. Balin talks about it a lot more than Shin does. And Ryan, to your point, Shin is asking a lot of questions. So that to me, I'm like, boy, I wonder where that's going to go. Like, I'm going to keep an eye on that. I'm going to keep an eye on the questions that Shin is asking Balin in particular. Now, we go back to uh, Dave Filoni and some of the things that he's mentioned before. We know, the three of us, being large consumers of Star Wars, that Dave Filoni loves wolves. Big wolf guy. Loves wolves. Probably wore the three wolf moon t-shirt in high school just like I did. Now, the thing with uh, this show, <laughs> the thing with this show is that Balin Skull and Shin Hati, there's actually a wolf reference in there. So there's another Easter egg here. Norse mythology, Skull and Hati are wolves that chase the moon and the sun respectively. This is a famous North mythology yeah. story. As the story goes, and I don't know if this is foreshadowing, I'm only relaying the story. We don't pro- we don't prognosticate here on the show. I'm just telling you what this st- particular Norse story says. Okay. They eventually, at some point, the point in this story is actually Ragnarok, which is funny in itself. At that moment, they capture the sun and the moon, they devour the sun and the moon, and then basically the world universe collapses onto itself. Take take with that what you will, okay? Take that information however you may. But that's what happens in that particular story. But I do love that there is another wolf reference in this show already with Balin yeah, and Shin. Can I make Shin. a quick no, interjection uh, ahead, about Shin Hati? The note I took down, and I hope for those yes. of you young listeners out here, all I wrote was it's giving she's giving Billie Eilish slash Bjork vibes with a touch <laughs> of Mila Jovovich in Fifth Element. If you have not yet seen it and you are listening to this, that's the look. And it works perfectly for this actress. It works perfectly. That's exactly what it is. Hey, and the and, expressions, and, you're so right about that. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's all and well, and you mentioned we mentioned Ray Stevenson, who played Volstag in the Thor movies, died in Thor Ragnarok. I'm just saying mm. that at some point it all this all comes together, right? Okay. 
Okay, Ryan is putting his clasping his fingers together at the mesh point, football yeah. players. That's where it yeah. is. That's this right here. And speaking of coming back together, Sabine is number two. I love the idea that we're exploring this relationship with Sabine and Ahsoka. Is Sabine force sensitive? We don't know. What was the falling out that they had? There's so many questions left unanswered there. But Sabine as a character, Clinton, you touched up on it already, so I don't need to rehash any of that. Uh, you did it very well. Uh, there's a lot to like and love about Sabine. And to your point about how, yes, the show's named Ahsoka, but we're getting deep dives into so many other characters, even ones that we've already been introduced to in the past. Sabine is going to be one to watch. I think that uh, to your point about the whole coach and player relationship, Sabine might be the Tom Brady, you know, like might be the player that ends up doing the big plays and winning the championships or having that big moment. Arda, in Star don't, Wars give away, don't give away your Northeast bias. Tom Brady was a bum coming out of college. All right. Bum. Sabine is a top draft pick. Sorry, as far yes, as I'm right, concerned. Yeah, this is, yeah. this is a little different for me. She knows her talent as far as yeah. that. He wasn't a doughy, you know, a doughy fat guy who was running a five, four, you know, whatever crappy 40 with a bad picture. She is the real deal coming out of the break. So I'll push back on you on that, but I do think <laughs> the coach-player relationship is definitely there. Yeah, she's Cam Newton, but she, right, but, but, exactly. but, 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 but like Cam Newton, what are you going? What are you okay. going to do with it? Right. right. What are you going to do right. with it? Exactly. And of course, with all of Tom Brady's championships, he had a mastermind tactical coach to help bring things together, and that brings me to my number one character I'm looking forward to most by a country mile, and that is the GAT himself, Grand Admiral Thrawn. He's alive. He's got a search team going after him. There's a map, a sick-looking map. Give me all the Thrawn tents. I need a segment called the Thronicles. Thrawn is my favorite Star Wars character, but also objectively one of the most nuanced and interesting characters in the entire Star Wars universe. So many layers we can't possibly get to here, but what I will say is that obviously he's important because the whole plot from the Empire loyalist side is to find him, the heir to the Empire. And if you know nothing about Thrawn, he's the opposite of Darth Vader in terms of a big bad. He's not force sensitive. He's not super strong. He's brilliant, savvy. He outthinks you. He's a mastermind. He uses everything from art to land language to find your weaknesses master tactician just like bill belichick he's a villain in mensa thrawn in many ways is awesome and i love him and i can't wait i'm a little excited yeah yes. I, I can tell I and, and, I, and i love it you sound like me talking about e-wing but but in the books you know in the very first thrawn book you know in the first 20 pages what you learn about him is what you're saying which is the meticulousness and and you think there's well you, first of all you don't know who's attacking you and second of all you don't know how they know so much about you and third of all you don't understand how they can be six moves ahead of you all the time and in the difference between him and vader and and there is certainly a relationship there and it's right hand left hand to palpatine but but the difference in, in, in their approach is kind of like what we were talking about earlier which was you know young ahsoka young anakin young luke they just crash into everything and then as they get older Everything's meticulous. Thrawn's always been like that. And yeah. so you don't know where he's going to go next. It's it's very Palpatine-ish. You know, it's like, you know, he, you know, everything has happened the way that I've foreseen. And how about Lars Mickelson? The guy, I mean, we got the voice of the character in the animated series. And now getting to play that character in real life, I just can't. It's just, that's the coolest thing to me. A couple yeah. of comments on that. Looking very much forward to Thrawn saying, 
we're on to Cincinnati next week. And number two, <laughs> the GAT reference. I mean, we're calling him the notorious GAT on this show yeah. for the rest 100%. of eternity. No, it's over. That's just it's over. too good. It's too, it's good. too good. No, it's, it's too absolutely good. too good. I can I can hear the music in my head when he when he, when he enters the room. Blum blum blum. Just just walking in, right? Right. It'd be great. It'd be just, great. So, <laughs> good. That's good. The camera turns do. around. There he is. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So last thing I'll say is this: big gold chain. All of a sudden, why, these why are just is my that? thoughts. My thoughts after the first two episodes, going into what is going to be the rest of this series the next week. I imagine we're going to be reasonably heavy on flashbacks because like i said we have jumped a lot forward and i know that there is a lot of stuff that we've got to you know sort of determine going forward with each of these characters but i can't imagine that we're going to learn through about all these conflicts or whatever changed in these years through simply dialogue i i I, that that would honestly be a letdown at this one i want to see some older stuff see some things through some visions or see some things just through people thinking about stuff of people in a different era because the talking is great but there are certain things that i kind of physically if i may say so want to see the character do between ahsoka and some of her other counterparts in general um over the course of canon so that's what i'm hoping to look forward to in the next coming episodes of this this series I mean, you can't have an Ahsoka series. And to me, two of the greatest moments in the history of any of this are when Ahsoka faces Vader in Rebels. And then at the the way that the Clone Wars series ultimately ended with 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 Hank Heavens, Filoni getting to give us Mm -hmm. one more season. It's one of the most stirring, touching moments, both of those. And so all of that is going to get us. All of that got us to where we are now. And so I'm with you, man. I want I want to see. This Ahsoka we have that we talked about, open the show with, talking about who when we first introduced to her, you know, we need to know how we got there. You know, it's yeah. gonna be it's gonna be awesome. If nothing else, just so that because Dave Filoni is such a giant Pittsburgh Penguins fan and he always wears the hat on set, yeah. Hayden Christensen can wear his Toronto Maple Leafs hat as he's filming his scenes. That <laughs> oh would be terrific. God, here we go. We appreciate you all listening to uh, this episode of Never Tell Me the Odds, our official ESPN Star Wars podcast. Thank you very much to Carlo and Kelsey for producing the show, Aaron and Tim, everyone behind the scenes who made the show happen. Uh, and Ryan's, as Ryan said, yes, we will be back uh, throughout the season uh, chronicling and talking about episodes of Ahsoka. Maybe I spoiled it. Maybe it's a spoiler alert. Yes, we will be back at some point. Never tell us the odds because we will beat them. We'll <laughs> All right. Thanks, everybody. We will catch you next time. <laughs> if the E-Wing can come back, then we can do this show again. <laughs>